Hello, and welcome to Morning Prayer at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Edison, New Jersey. Today is Wednesday, and this is the second week since the Epiphany. We begin our time of prayer in silence. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen and Alleluia. Give glory to God, our light and our life. O come, let us worship in praise. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before God's presence with thanksgiving and raise a loud shout to the Lord with psalms. For you, Lord, are a great God and a great ruler above all gods. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. In your hand are the caverns of the earth. The heights of the hills are also yours. The sea is yours, for you made it, and your hands have molded the dry land. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For the Lord is our God, and we are the people of God's pasture and the sheep of God's hand. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Give glory to God, our light and our life. O come, let us worship and praise. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. But in these last days, God has spoken to us by a son. A reading from 1 Kings chapter 6. In the 480th year after the Israelites came out of the land of Egypt, in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the month of Ziv, which is the second month, he began to build the house of the Lord. The house that King Solomon built for the Lord was 60 cubits long, 20 cubits wide, 30 cubits high. The vestibule in front of the nave of the house was twenty cubits wide, across the width of the house. Its depth was ten cubits in front of the house. For the house he made windows with recessed frames. He also built a structure against the wall of the house, running around the walls of the house, both the nave and the inner sanctuary, and he made side chambers all around. The lowest story was five cubits wide the middle one six cubits wide, and the third was seven cubits wide, for around the outside of the house he made offsets on the walls in order that the supporting beams should not be inserted into the walls of the house. The house was built with stone finished at the quarry, so that neither hammer nor axe nor any tool of iron was heard in the temple while it was being built. The entrance for the middle story was on the south side of the house. One went up by a winding stairs to the middle story, and from the middle story to the third. So he built the house and finished it. He roofed the house with beams and planks of cedar. He built the structure against the whole house, each story five cubits high, and each, and it was joined to the house with timbers of cedar. Now the word of the Lord came to Solomon concerning this house that you are building, says the Lord. If you will walk in my ways, in my statutes, and obey my commandments and ordinances, and keep all of my commandments by walking in them, 
Then I will establish my promise with you, which I made to your father David. I will dwell among the children of Israel and will not forsake my people Israel. The word of the Lord. God rescues Israel from slavery in Egypt so that they might be God's own. At Sinai, God makes a covenant with his newly created fellowship and then outlines in the law what it means for this people to live with each other as God's people. At its heart, we find two commandments that turn the people towards God in love and then the other that turns people out towards each other in love. First commandment, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second one that is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourselves. Surrounding and in some cases supporting these commandments are a number of rituals showing how it is that the people will show their love for God and for their neighbor. Then, after the covenant is made and the law was given and received, the next priority was for the people to create a tabernacle in which the glory of God will abide, connecting heaven and earth, and uh, bringing God into the presence of God's people. While in the wilderness, the tabernacle will sit at the center of the camp that is organized like a mobile city, radiating out around from God's presence at the center of this nation. After settling in the promised land, this tabernacle continues to move about until David makes Jerusalem its capital city and moves the Ark of the Covenant and the tabernacle of the Lord into the city permanently. David's plan was for himself to create a permanent version of the tabernacle, a temple, that would be the most prominent feature of this city, and of course, he would place his own palace next door. The Lord, however, disrupts David's plan to build the temple, insisting that it is the Lord who will build David a house, not the other way around. In very much the same way as it is it is the Lord who settles Israel into the land that God promised to give them, and then moves around among them, instead of the other way around, where the Lord settles into the land and draws Israel to it. For almost 500 years, then, the Lord had had no permanent structure, no temple to the Lord, simply a tabernacle that moved about. Now all of that is about to change. That there is a magnificent and monumental temple structure that dominates Jerusalem is so much of a fixture of our biblical world that we rarely question why. Why a temple? And why there in Jerusalem? And what is lost when the structure takes the place of that mobile tabernacle? In one way or another, these questions are really never settled in Scripture, but are always in tension with each other. There's always a counter-pull and a counter-argument to all who would insist on centralizing Israel's worship in the temple in Jerusalem. And even the construction of the temple are supposed to tell a story of God's coming to dwell among God's people, of a model of a connection between heaven and earth, as a model of the whole universe. So the temple is not really a house for God as much as it is an architectural sermon about God's desire to dwell among God's people within the creation that God has made. For all the power and the glory of temple imagery, we must always remember that the vision of the New Jerusalem, that final vision that we find in our Holy Scriptures, gives us a city 
that has no temple, a city, though, where God is truly present and is the light and life of all. And in Christ, the city and the temple are not so much about magnificent buildings or, or, or plans for, for dwellings as much as it is about a gathering of God's people in whom the Spirit of God comes to rest. Jesus has gathered us together and poured out the Spirit so that we are, as God's assembled people, the temple of the Holy Spirit present in the midst of the world. And like Christ, not present just in one place, but throughout the world, wherever it is that the Spirit gathers us together. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Blessed are you, Lord, the God of Israel. You have come to your people and set them free. You have raised up for us a mighty Savior, born of the house of your servant David. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Through your holy prophets you proclaimed of old to save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us, to show mercy to our forebears and to remember your holy covenant. This was the oath you swore to our father Abraham to set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship you without fear, holy and righteous before you all the days of our life. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. And you, child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare the way, to give God's people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us, to shine on those who dwell in darkness in the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Mighty God of mercy, we thank you for the resurrection dawn, bringing the glory of our risen Lord who makes every day new. Especially we thank you for the sustaining goodness of your creation, for the new creation in Christ, and for all gifts of healing and forgiveness. For the communion of faith in your church, and for the gift of relationship with others, for what else are we thankful? Merciful God of might, renew this weary world. Heal the hurts of all of your children and bring about your peace for all in Christ Jesus, the living Lord. Especially we pray for all who are sick and for those who bring care and healing to them. For the Church of Jesus Christ in every land, and for the people, the leaders, and the ministries of St. Paul's Lutheran Church. For those who govern the nations of the world, for the people in countries ravaged by strife or warfare, for all who work for peace and international harmony, and for all who strive to save the earth from carelessness and destruction. For what else or for who else do we ask the Lord? Almighty and everlasting God, you have brought us in safety to this new day. Preserve us with your mighty power that we may not fall into sin nor be overcome in adversity. In all we do, direct us to the fulfilling of your purpose through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Go forth into the world to serve God with gladness. Be of good courage, hold fast to that which is good, render to no one evil for evil, strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the afflicted, honor all people, love and serve God, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God. 